Hey, this is Scotty Vermeen from Daniel Boone Baptist Church in Gate City, Virginia. I'm the interim pastor and would like to invite you to worship with us at 11 o'clock on Sunday mornings. We also have Bible study at 10 o'clock on Sunday mornings. Check us out on Facebook at Daniel Boone Baptist Church where you will find weekly sermons and daily interaction to keep you in touch with the Lord and to keep you in touch with His kingdom. Last few weeks we've been... uh... We've been talking about Moses, hadn't we, and, and the children of Israel and the deliverance from Egypt. And we've talked about Egypt and the wilderness and the promised land that they were, that they were given by the Lord. And I actually read this week, and it's, it's one of those times, uh, a lot of times I'll read scripture and I'd say, you're the same. And I'll get to a spot and I can't go any further. You know what I'm talking about? And it's like I'm, I got, God's put me right here on this one passage. Uh, and this week was not that. I, I have read so much scripture this week that, that my eyes are starting to hurt, you know. Uh, but God took me through Numbers 13 all the way through like Deuteronomy 18. But I've put that in, I've put that in, in uh, the message today just to, to, help, to help you to understand the context. If you look from Numbers to Deuteronomy, and some of it's repetitive, uh, it's really the time period between the exodus from Egypt and the word exodus uh, means to, to leave or to go out. You know, it's really it's from that time where they left Egypt, bondage, uh, until they received the promise and entered the promised land. And we know that last week we talked about an 11-day journey turned into a 40-year stay because of their unbelief and because they listened to the majority and, and because of fear and things of that nature. And so that's kind of the background uh, of our message today. It's a 40-year wandering. But during those 40 years, God gave his children, through Moses, some really good stuff. I'll just put it that way. Some instruction on how you should live or how you are to behave and live when you get to the promised land. And in Deuteronomy 6.23, we read it today, God brings us out so that he can also take us in. And so today I was thinking about you this week, but many of you feel like you're still wandering in the wilderness when it, when it comes to things like depression, anxiety, uh, loss. You know, when I think about loss, uh, sometimes the absence of a thing is more painful than the presence of than than the existence of a thing. You know what I'm talking about? When I was 14 years old, my papa, he, uh, John Henry Baker was his name. But he asked me one day, he said, would you like to share an acre of tobacco? Me and you work it all, you know, from the time we plant it to the time we harvest it. And he said, you'll make some money. And I was excited because I had a new little girlfriend. I had to buy her some stuff, so I need some money, right? And so after about a month or two of that, you know, when he would call at 730 and say the aphids need to be sprayed again because they're taking over. So we'd spray for aphids. Y'all ever done that? We sprayed for aphids, I bet, 10 times. You know, I never could see them as a little. But just the, the constant work and, and laboring uh, to harvest a half acre. My half was a half acre. You know how much money I made from that? About $910. I believe it was 907 He split it right down the middle, you know. And that 907 didn't last long. But my papa, John, John Baker, was a smart man. He was a good man. Matter of fact, he, I think he did that for me. Not for the $907, but I think he was trying to give me something that I could use later on when I got into 
my adult life. Something I could pass on. Because that $907, I'm not passing a penny of it to you two. Because I ain't got it, it's gone. But there's some things that God gave me through my papa. Does that make sense to you? And we're going to see today that God also did the same thing for his children even when they were wandering in disobedience. Isn't that crazy? At the more I read here, I didn't see God punishing those children of Israel, his, his children. I didn't see him punishing, him punishing them in the wilderness. He actually taught them how to live. He gave them decrees and statutes and commands. And we're going to talk about those today. But my papa, he knew what he was doing. It wasn't about the $907. There was a purpose in his plan. There was a purpose in his plan. You know, the children of Israel, God's own people, delivered from Egypt, if you remember, saw miracles and demonstrations of God's power. Yet, what did they choose? Fear over faith. When it came time to inherit the land, they feared the enemy. They feared the giants. And we talked about that the last couple of weeks. You too are in a wilderness, so to speak. And so am I at times. Anxiety, depression, loss, it's a mental mindset. It's, it's the difficulty that you're constantly fighting against. And I don't know your personal difficulty, but I know you're fighting against something. God told me that this week. Everybody has a battle. That's why it's important when you come into contact with somebody that you're careful what you say and how you say it. Even though they may attack you, they're going through something. Everybody is facing a wilderness, so to speak. You know, the wilderness is not always a physical place. It can be. It can be physical. But it's not always physical. But it is a reality nonetheless, isn't it? It's a reality. And we've all been there. And I'm going to share one with you later if the Lord leads. But the absence of a thing sometimes is more crippling than the presence of any disease or physical uh, infirmity. You know, I came to encourage you today because I know that some of you feel stuck. You just feel stuck in a rut. And God told me to tell you this. You're coming out. You're coming out. Isn't that awesome? You're coming out. At the appointed time when those two things meet, God's desired appointed, appointed time, and, and you being fed up with being stuck, that's important. We're going to talk about that too. You're going to come out as well. Because I believe this, that no weapon formed against you shall prosper. So that means no spirit, no enemy, no devil, no demon, no situation will prosper against you. It doesn't say it will not form. It's going to form, isn't it? Yeah, it's going to form. Those weapons form. Hey, I've experienced them. I've experienced spiritual attacks. You have too. I've experienced physical attacks. You have too. I've experienced mental attacks. You have too. I've experienced relational attacks. You have too. I've experienced loss. I've experienced all of that. But those weapons that sometimes form against us will not prosper. It's what the Bible says. But it will form. And sometimes it'll feel like it's prospering, doesn't it? It sometimes feels like it's winning. You know, it sometimes it feels like it's winning. And there's a purpose there. But take courage because at the fullness of time, the Bible speaks very clearly about the fullness of time. It's like when Jesus was born. When God says it's time, you're coming out. Isn't that awesome? You're coming out. If it's depression, you're coming out. If it's the memory of a thing, you will eventually get past it. You're coming out. Can you change the past? No, but you certainly can change the future. We talked about choices the last few weeks. And God is faithful and he has a plan. 
And remember that the one that is in you is greater than the one that's in the world. Remember, we have three enemies. Now, I started this week. I determined I was going to speak on, preach on, whatever you want to call it. Our three enemies, the devil, the flesh, and the world. And I was going to start with the devil because I hate him. He's a dirty dog. He's a liar. He's the father of lies. He speaks his native language. He's nothing but lies. He's a deceiver, okay? I was going to speak about him. I took notes upon notes upon notes, and I never could get clear exactly what God wanted me to speak about the enemy. And he spoke this very clearly to me this week. Now, this doesn't mean that he won't lead me the other way. He may. But he said, don't give him too much credit and don't spend too much time on him. And so I ain't going to spend too much time on him, but I'm going to tell you that he's a liar. Because here's the deal. For you, your mind and my mind gets stuck, doesn't it? And it's like we get in this place like in our, in our minds that we feel like we're never going to get out. Anxiety's that way. Depression's that way. And that's a lie. The devil's a liar. You are going to get out. You've been in stuck so long that you think that that's just the way it's going to be from here on out. You know, the suicide rate in America, if you look those numbers up, is crazy. And why is it like that? Because people get in mindsets that they think this is the way it's always going to be. It's never going to get any better. That's a lie from the enemy. So the enemy wants you to do a couple things. Number one, he wants you to fear. Okay. And number two, I think this is very important, that we understand that he also will allow us to get comfortable so that we don't acknowledge God or the enemy, and he's got us right where he wants us. He can do that to, to us as well. But he wants to destroy us. You know, this thing, whatever it is for you that's held you captive, maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's some kind of desire that you just can't tackle. It's a fleshly thing. It's one of your enemies. Okay? Maybe it's the opinion of other people. Maybe that bothers you so much that you just you can't even get up and go outside because you're afraid somebody's going to make fun of the way you look or the way you speak or the way you act or the things that you believe in. Whatever it is, that thing's got you captive. And you've become convinced that you will always be a slave to it. You have. And sometimes I, I have as well. You've even been so convinced of it that your language has changed. You've began to speak losing language. And here's what I mean by that. I said it the other day. If I have a player that's at the free throw line getting ready to shoot a big free throw, getting ready to tie a ball game up, and it's a big game, and they're all big. And I say, don't miss this. I'm speaking losing language. You understand what I'm saying? Instead of saying, keep to the process, focus and follow through, and you got this, that's winning language. We seem to be, and the enemy does it to us, and we need to call him out for who he is because he's a liar. Let me tell you something else that I think the enemy told me this week. Is you better not point me out too much because I'll come after you. That's fine. You can come after me, but you're going to have to come after every spirit that's of God that's between me and you. Because God, God's going to protect us. No weapon formed against us will prosper. We're more than conquerors. So I'm going to call him out. He's a liar. And he's convinced you and convinced me that it's never going to change. And your language has been such. And so now when your children or your grandchildren or your friend or your brother or your sister comes to you with a passion or a desire that God's laid on them. And they say something like, hey, I, th I think God wants me to go into business by myself. 
Or I think God wants me to go into teaching. Or I think God wants me to do this and that. And instead of encouraging them, what you end up doing is saying, ah, you better be careful. The obstacles might be too big. There's no demand for that kind of job right now. You hear my language? You've began to speak losing language. And so in every conversation that you have, you're relaying and portraying to other people that you're defeated. And are we defeated as Christians? Let's just be honest. What's the Bible say? And I'm here to proclaim the truth to you today. Because the truth will stand when, when the world's on fire. The truth is, no, we're not defeated. We'll never be defeated. We're victorious. We need to remember that. And so when those weapons form, when you think that your child will never get through this, whatever they're dealing with, that's a lie. The Bible says we're two or more agree. And here's why I think about that. I may want something for my kids like, like uh deliverance from some type of thing but I think I need somebody else to agree with me what's the Bible say we're two or more gathered together in his name there he is also and he hears our prayers that's why it's important that we pray for one another don't keep those secret the enemy will tell you don't share that with anybody that's a secret thing that's a lie you share it with the people that you know are going to pray and so the devil's a liar who's convinced you that you're going to be a slave to this thing the rest of your life who the devil that's his tactic that's his tactic here's what he does he he says this and I'm gonna read it because I wrote it better than I can say it the devil will tell you like he did Eve that God is trying to take away your choice God's trying to keep something from you remember the tree in the middle of the garden you can eat from all these other trees but this one God said don't eat from and in my opinion it wasn't that the fruit of it was bad it was that God was saying obey me honor me Follow me, listen to me, honor me, follow me, love me, hold me high. And what the enemy said was, the devil said to Eve, is God's trying to take away your choice. He's telling you you can't choose that tree and when you actually, you can choose it. And so what the devil's doing, now listen to me if you don't hear anything else. He's trying to, the devil's trying to tell you that God's going to take away your choice when it's actually the other way around. The devil wants to get you a place, get you to a place where you can't choose anymore. Hear what I'm saying? That's what addiction is, right or wrong. When you get to a, a place where you cannot choose anymore, he takes it away. That's the enemy. That's not of God. And you may get to that place and think that this is what it's going to be like for me forever. That's a lie. God told me to tell you that today. That's a lie. And so whatever it is, you need to, you need to get in its face and tell it, today's the last day that I'm dealing with you. You hear me? Today's the last day I'm dealing with you. And it doesn't have to be an addiction. It can be a mindset. Today's the last day that I'm judging my brother. Because the devil, listen to this, is the accuser of the brethren. And if I am judging my brother or my sister or someone I don't even know, I'm acting just like the devil. You hear me on that? Today's the last day. You just look it in the face and tell it today's the day. Does that mean you won't come against another opponent? eventually no that's not what that means and I'm gonna give you some ammunition here in a minute but somewhere in your life and in my life you have to draw a line the guys that played for me will tell you some I've said this to my guys many times at some point in life you must draw a line and say I'm not crossing that line and if you cross it I'm gonna hit you in the mouth okay does that make sense I'm gonna hit you in the mouth and so when the enemy comes against you you've got to hit him in the mouth now let's get real what weapon do we use as an offensive weapon to hit the enemy in the mouth? 
the Word. The Word. The Word is our offensive sword. It's the thing we can, when the devil tells you you're no good, you can say, hey, I was, I was actually in, in God's mind before he ever put me in my mother's womb. So I actually had a design purpose. He made me with big ears, a big mouth, and he made me really tall. And if you're really short with little ears and, and you don't say much, God made you just like that. You understand that? And that's what we need to be telling our children. And that's how we need to relay our purpose, that God created us for a purpose and a reason. Satan actually means adversary or opponent. He's a deceiver. He's a liar. He's an accuser of the brethren. He speaks his native language, and it's all lies. Now, will he come out and tell you it's a lie? Mm -mm. My experience with him is he sounds a whole lot like me. And he sounds sometimes like God. He imitates God. See, that's why he's Satan, because he wanted to be equal with God. And God said, there's no equal to me. And he's cast down. And so Satan don't always sound or look like you think he does. Sometimes he's friendly looking. He's a deceiver. Don't be deceived. Let me ask you this question, and everybody can answer it. Is bondage a thing from God? It's is there anywhere in here where you've read that God will bind us? No. Bondage is not from God. So anything that comes your way that binds you, now I'm not talking about, listen to me, I'm not talking about boundaries. We're going to talk about that in a minute too. But bondage is not of God. He came to give us life and to give it more abundantly. Isn't that awesome? He has a plan for us. The Bible is very clear about that. It's a plan to prosper us, to give us a hope and a future. It's not a plan to, to bind us. Bondage is not of God. If things get you bound, then you need to be looking at, what, at who you're revering, who you're reverencing, who you're honoring. Because sometimes we honor the wrong things and we don't even realize it. When the fullness of time comes, and that's 40 years for the children of Israel, you're going to come out. Now, I say that and it sounds like a long time. It doesn't have to be 40 years. In that 40 years is what it took for God to teach them how to live in the promised land. We're going to talk about that in just a few minutes as well. Go to Numbers chapter 33. Numbers chapter 33, verses 51 and 52. I'm going to read 50. It says, Now the Lord spoke to Moses in the plains of Moab by the Jordan across from Jericho saying this. Now you need to know where they're at. They're between the Exodus and Egypt where they spent 400 years, I think it was. I may be wrong on my dates. They spent centuries in bondage. God delivered them out. Crossed the Red Sea, y'all remember that? On dry ground. They walked across and saw a wall of water on the right and a wall of water on the left. Have you ever seen that? I mean, have you ever walked through? I have never seen anything like it. Closest I ever been was at the mill dam in Hilton's. You know where that's at? When I was little, it was still a mill dam, and the water would come over. And my brother, Larry, uh, my other brother's here today too, but Larry would take me and try to scare me, I guess. He, he was bad about that, wasn't he? No, he would take me, and he'd say, hey, watch this. And we'd get up under where the water was coming over, and I could see a wall of water, you know. And, and I think about the mill dam when I think about the Red Sea. But have you ever seen anything like that? No, I hadn't either. The children of Israel had seen it, and they still refused uh, to cross over. But anyway, they're stuck in the wilderness. Now, the Lord spoke to Moses in the plains of Moab by the Jordan across from Jericho, saying, verse 51, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, When you have crossed the Jordan into the land of Canaan, 
promised land. Then you shall drive out all the inhabitants of the land from before you. Destroy all their engraved stones. Destroy all their molded images. And demolish all their high places. Did you know that many NBA, NFL, Major League Baseball superstars who make a lot of money are broke? They're at zero. I think it's like six months after they retire. Did y'all know that? It's because that when they get into that lifestyle, they don't know how to handle things in that lifestyle, so they spend all their money. And what God is saying right here through Moses is that when you get into your promised land, there's going to be some things there that you can't tolerate. As I was reading this this week, I can't tell you how many times I ran across this saying that said this. It says, get the evil out of the camp. Get the evil out of the camp. I've, hey, I've built teams and built teams and built teams and built teams and built teams. And when you have a poison in the camp, the whole team's poison. You hear what I'm saying? When you get to where God is sending you, there's something he's doing in you and in me that when you get there, you're going to have to get rid of some stuff. Go down to verse 55. He says this. But if you do not drive out the inhabitants of the land from before you, listen to this, then it shall be that those whom you let remain shall be irritants in your eyes and thorns in your, in your sides, and they shall harass you in the land where you dwell. This is something that we all need to hear, but it might be a special word for somebody. If you're sick of the enemy attacking you constantly, then quit hanging out with him. Get away from him. He has his own little places. Y'all know that, don't you? Read the Bible. He even has his own disciples. He has demons. And he also has spirits that live inside of people that walk this earth. And when we go and we hang around a, a, a principle like I heard some stuff this week. I'm not going to share it with you. Turn on, turn on any of those news stations and you can find it. I'm just not going to talk about it. But I heard stuff that cannot be anything but from the devil. Stuff that makes no sense whatsoever to me that people are believing in. You can't serve two masters. Matthew chapter 6 verse 22 is talking about God and money. But it's also you can apply that to any area of your life. You can't straddle the fence on two opposing beliefs and have peace. Either choose this day who you're going to worship and who you're, who you're going to serve in your house or choose not to. Quit trying to straddle, straddle the fence. That leads to being miserable. I spoke this week on Thursday about peace. Peace is obtainable. Matter of fact, peace is a choice. And the thing we must understand about peace is we can't possibly be hanging out with the enemy and ask God to give us peace at the same time. Peace is a choice. Control what you can control. And stop thinking you can argue your way and always be right. And I'm not speaking to you. I'm speaking to me. I want this word to be a victory kind of word to you today. But I want, I want you to move on to... Uh, to Deuteronomy chapter 2. Now in your bulletin, you'll find in there some, some scriptures that I put down for you. And I want to share these with you. The Lord spoke some, some big, big words to me this week through these, these passages. 
At some point this week, go back and read Numbers 34. It's an interesting principle that God gave Moses to give the children of Israel about the promised land. Now, I want, to, I want to tell you about that principle before I move on. In Numbers chapter 34, you're going to find that God appointed boundaries when he, put them in the, when he called them to the promised land. He appointed boundaries. I want you to think about that word boundaries. He said, here's, here's as far as you can go, here's as far as you can go, here's as far as you can go, and here's as far as you can go. It's like guardrails, okay? It's like guardrails. And the enemy's going to tell you that guardrails will limit what you can do and where you can go on the road. That's what the enemy will tell you. He'll tell you that if, if somebody's putting boundaries and restrictions on you, then you need to overcome that. As a matter of fact, this generation that we, we've raised a generation of people that's all about, these, these young people are all about busting through all these guidelines and boundaries and, and having my own truth. Now, let me just go ahead and tell you that truth doesn't need, is not an opinion. Truth will stand, period. And I'm not just talking about truth of the Bible. One plus one is what? It's two. You can tell me it's three all day long, but it's two. I'm not going to argue with you. I know what one plus one is. You understand? You've got to have a baseline to start from. And the Bible is our baseline. It's truth. But in Numbers 34, listen to this. This is so powerful. When you get to your promised land, and that promised land could just simply be freedom from the oppression that my mind experiences daily. Would you raise your hand and tell me that sometimes your mind just oppresses you? Anybody? Thank you. Maybe that's your promised land, freedom from the oppression. Well, look, we often interpret boundaries as bondage. Think about it. We interpret boundaries as bondage. Like, if I want my mind to not be oppressed, then i got to quit letting my mind go over here. Take every thought captive and bring it to the Lord. And he'll tell you whether or not that thought is from him. And if it's not, get rid of it. It needs to go out the same ear or eye that it came in. If it is of God, then let it go to the heart. And then from the overflow of the heart, the mouth will start speaking and you'll start living out what you are believing through your thought life to be of God. It's all about the thoughts. Boundaries. When in all, all actuality, boundaries are a big part of living in freedom. Okay, you guys that have raised children. You guys that are raising children. Or you guys that want to raise children. What happens when you don't give children any boundaries? Yeah, you, you just answered that in your mind. And you probably thought of somebody, yeah, yeah, that fit that mold, right? Think about that for a second. I want my kids to live long, to live healthy, to, hit, to live abundantly. I, don't, I want them to enjoy every bit of the milk and honey that's in the promised land that they can get. Now, the enemy wants to tell them, though, your father, your dad... Those that went before you, you remember two weeks ago or three weeks ago we talked about honoring those that went before you and following their lifestyle and seeing what it's like, their way of life and how it turned out. Yeah, the enemy will tell our children that those things are narrow-minded, those things that we tell them, that we teach them, and that they're not going to lead to freedom. Boundaries actually are a big part of freedom. A big part of experiencing freedom. And so if you want freedom from oppression, I believe you can choose it. It's more than, it's more than just going, God, I need to be f delivered from oppression. That's where you start. 
But then when you get up and, and you start walking, and the enemy brings that whatever it is that's oppressing, that's getting in your mind, at that moment you say, ah, I rebuke you, go ahead and get away from me. There's been times in, in our life, in our, in our home, where there's just been an oppressive spirit. And I remember two times I was gone. And when I got home, later, a few days later, Leanne told me. She said, you know, this is what I felt in the house, and I told it to leave. And you can do that. You can speak to the enemy and tell him to leave in the name of Jesus. And you've got to be aware. That's why the Bible says to be aware, be sober-minded, because your enemy roams the earth. You understand? He roams looking for someone he may devour. Go to Deuteronomy chapter 2. This is the dialogue between, I want you to know where we're going here. What I'm getting ready to give you are some highlights of the dialogue from God to Moses and Moses to Joshua, because who was Joshua? He was the next leader of the children of Israel. He was the one that was actually going to lead the children into the promised land. Okay? Joshua. From Moses to Joshua and from Moses to the children of Israel. This is the dialogue. There's some things that are going to repeat itself uh, in Numbers at the end of the last few chapters of Numbers. And if you read Deuteronomy, you're going to see some repetition through there. Okay? Some of the same things that God keeps telling them over and over and over again. It's like when you tell your child. I told you this, I told you this, I told you this, over and over and over and over and over again. Repetition is, is a master of excellence. You know, it's, it's the thing that you do to master a skill. And so God is telling his kids some things here in these 40 years. Go to Deuteronomy 2, verse 7. Deuteronomy 2, verse 7. And if, if, if I get ahead of you, go back this week and take some notes on these. Verse 2, or verse 7, chapter 2. For the Lord your God has blessed you. In all the work of your hand, he knows you're trudging through this great wilderness. These 40 years the Lord your God has been with you, you have lacked nothing. Even when we're living in a land of disobedience and we feel like we're being punished, God is with us. Isn't that awesome? God's with us. God provides, and he knows just exactly how long to leave you in the oven. He knows just exactly how long to leave you in the oven. And he always provides. And that's how you walk with peace, knowing that this is going to come to an end. My grieving's going to come to an end. My depression's coming to an end. My anxiety's coming to an end. This oppression that I seem to be experiencing in my mind, it's coming to an end. Deuteronomy 2, verse 30. And then we're going to go right down to 32 and 33. I love this part. In their journey, they had several battles. And verse 30 says, But Sihon, king of Heshbon, would not let us pass through. Have you ever had something or somebody or a situation that wouldn't let you pass through? Yeah, me too. Wouldn't let us pass through. For the Lord, listen to this, the Lord your God hardened his spirit. And made his heart obstinate that he might deliver him into your hand as it is this day. Let's just keep going. Verse 32 says, Then Sihon and all his people came out against us to fight at Jahaz. And the Lord our God delivered him over to us. So we defeated him, his sons, and all his people. When I read into this verse, and listen, the Bible is not there just to give us a historical account. It is there for that. 
It's also there so that we can draw principles out of it. Listen to the principle that is stated in verse 30 when it says that the Lord hardened his heart and made him obstinate that he, the Lord, might deliver him into your hand. Sometimes, I can't define it perfectly for you, but sometimes God places obstacles in front of us in our path to teach us how to fight. You hear me? To teach us how to fight. Now, I'm going to talk about that in a few minutes because there's a way we fight as Christians. And God did that here. And what's another reason God did that? So he could show those that were fighting in weakness his strength so that when they became victorious, they can look back and say, the only way I won that thing is because of the glory and the grace of God. And so I would say this to you, you will win, but you're going to have to fight. You know, if you're battling addiction, let me just say it this way. God can and God does, and I've seen him do it. Mike Jenkins was one that I saw God put a finger on him, and his testimony was such. And delivered him from it. He can do that. But my experience, and it's not my experience that makes me, it's my interpretation of my experience. Do you all understand that too? Because you can talk about how uh, woe is me. And I know people, I know people right now I'm thinking about, it's always woe is me. My left arm just fell off, my right foot just fell off, and I don't know what I'm going to do. It's always constantly woe is me. I'm not talking about that, okay? I'm talking about your, your verbiage, and I lost, I lost it a little bit, but you're going to win the fight, okay? Just remember that. You're going to win the fight. And there's a way you fight, and this is important. It's kind of a personal testimony, and I'm not going to get too personal. But I'm going to tell you that a couple years ago, and it was something I did. I'm not blaming the enemy, and I certainly ain't blaming God. But God placed it there. I do believe that. He placed it there. I got myself in a little pickle. Okay? And for many days, I didn't know if who I had been was, was going to be who I was going to be from here on out. Does that make sense to you? I felt like I lived a good life. Now, I wasn't perfect, but I felt like I had a good job. I had a wonderful, obviously wonderful home and family and all that. But sometimes the enemy knows where to hit you, where to attack you. And the Lord will allow certain things to come your way. But when you're in the middle of it, you feel hopeless. Has anybody ever felt hopeless? Am I the only one? No? Everybody, yeah. When you're in the middle of it, you're hopeless. And the only thing that I knew to do, the absolute only thing I knew to do was to get up before anybody else got up so nobody would see me, go to my quiet place, and get on my knees. And I did that for numerous days in a row. And when I say no, I'm not talking about seven or eight. I did that for about two or three months where it's just me and him. And this week I was actually sitting in my chair and uh, Leanna going to get her hair done and it was just me and the dogs. <laughs> And that's where the Lord spoke his word to me for, for this message. It's in that quiet time. It's in those moments that you seek out the Lord. Now, you can either do it out of need, and that's where I was at. I was in need, you know. Or you can do it out of want to. And I think the way that we fight as Christians is on our knees. Because it's there that he gives you the message that he wants you to walk with. On your knees. Now, the enemy knows that, and so guess what he's going to do? He's going to busy up your world. He might even busy up your morning. It might come through this thing, you know. 
He's going to try to keep you from having that quiet time. Go to Deuteronomy 2.35. And I lost track a minute ago, but here's the way I interpret that. When I first started preaching, I would interpret that as I'm, I'm being foolish up here and, and they're going to make fun of me. No, I interpret that now as God put, put a pause on whatever I was getting ready to say. And he changed my mind. Changed, my, changed the way I was speaking. Deuteronomy chapter 2, verse 35. Listen to this. It says we took only the livestock as plunder. You know what plunder is? Plunder is goods and items that you take from a, a battle that you take back with you that belong to the enemy. It said we took only the livestock as plunder for ourselves with the spoil of the cities which we took. You know, in these struggles that you're in, and I know every one of you have a, has a struggle, God's going to give you something you can take into the next season that will bless you. Isn't that awesome? What I learned in that season of my life, and it lasted for about a year, but one of the things I learned in that season of life is that it's not up to me to judge people. It's up to me to love people. Period. The New Testament tells us to do what? What are the commands? Love God. And love your neighbor. That's it. It don't tell me to do anything else. Now I got to go make disciples and all that stuff. And God gives me direction. But as far as my heart's concerned. That's the one thing I got from that season in my life. To not judge people. Because we all have a battle. And we all make bad decisions. And God's word's here to try to help us make good decisions. Go to Deuteronomy 3. 21 and 22. I love this part because it takes courage to fight a battle. It does. Whether it's an emotional battle or whether it's an actual battle between flesh and blood. And remember that flesh and blood is not our enemy. Our enemy is principalities and powers of darkness in this lost world. But verse 21 says, and I commanded Joshua. Joshua was the next leader coming up behind Moses. Remember, God told Moses, you're not going to enter the promised land. I'm going to let you see it, but you're not going to enter. You remember that? Joshua was going to lead them. He said, I commanded Joshua at that time saying, your eyes have seen all that the Lord your God has done on these two kings. Here's what that means for us if we bring it present day. Don't forget from which the Lord has delivered you. And all of us have got things that God's delivered us from. Anger, hate, poor speech, all that. He says to Joshua, don't forget that. So will the Lord do to all the kingdoms through which you pass. I believe that no weapon formed against me shall prosper. And I also believe that if God calls me somewhere, there's no demon in Hades that can take me out. That's biblical. It says you must not fear them, the enemies. Don't fear them for the Lord your God himself, what? fights for you isn't that awesome he fights for you you will acquire I'm sorry do not fear the enemies because God himself fights for you and he told me to ask you this question this morning I wrote it down he tells us not to fear the enemies but the question is why do you go where they hang out way too often why do you go there why do you get in that conversation, gossip? Why do we get in that mindset of losing? Why do you hang around people 
that have a losing lingo. It's hard to become victorious when you convince yourself through your language. Why do you hang out there? Deuteronomy 4, 4 through 6. says, but you who held fast to the Lord, your God, are alive today, every one of you. Surely I have taught you statutes and judgments, just as the Lord my God commanded me. See, when I was in that season, God taught me the importance of love, not judgment. And God has taught his people in the wilderness his command, his commandments, his judgments, his statutes, that you should act according to them, listen to this, in the land which you go to possess. Even if they would have entered the land 11 days after they come out of Egypt, I don't think they were prepared to occupy. You know what I'm talking about? Like you, you can't get out of college, you young folks, and become an executive in a, in a, in a company. It's, it's not designed that way. It's impossible. I know two guys that work for their dad in, in, uh, in a coal business. And when they started working for their father, they started in the mines. You know, you learn. It's like in the school system. You learn how to mop a floor. You learn how to uh, clean a room. You learn how to, you know, hang a banner. You learn how to do all that stuff so that when you get to that place, you can look back and understand how it all flows. And that's what happened in the wilderness Verse 6 says, therefore be careful to observe them, for this is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the peoples who will hear all these statutes and say, surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. What we learn in the journey will be what sustains us in the promise. Write that down. What we learn in the journey will be what sustains us in the promise. And it will be our testimony. The Bible says to give your testimony. Deuteronomy 4, 23 and 24 says, Take heed to yourselves, lest you forget the covenant of the Lord your God which he made with you, and make for yourselves a carved image in the form of anything which the Lord your God has forbidden you. For the Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. I put a question on your uh, bulletin. What or maybe even who is your carved image? You know, when I see a young man when I coached, who was absolutely way too passionate about something like a game of basketball, my goal was to help steer them in the direction of use this passion to help you with life because basketball is eventually going to end. And you need this to help carry you forward. Does that make sense to you? Sometimes we create carved images, and God is a jealous God. He does not bless that. He does not bless that. Deuteronomy 6, 5 through 7, and I'm almost finished. Deuteronomy 6, 5 through 7 says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. You know, this, this word that we talk and this faith that we live is not something we just verbalize. It's something we live in front of people. And so that's what he's saying here. This should be in your heart. Teach your children and live that type of life. Love the Lord. Teach your children his ways and tell your story. Deuteronomy 6.23, our focal passage, says, Then he brought us out, of, out from there and that he might bring us in. Then he brought us out from there, Egypt, that he might bring us in, promised land, to give us the land of which he swore to our fathers. He's going to bring you out too, whatever you're dealing with. 
He's going to bring you out too. But it's not going to be complete until you go in. Because he delivered them out of Egypt, but it wasn't finished until they reached Canaan. And so I've got three things I want to tell you, actually two, that I put in your bulletin. And I'll give you the third one. Number one, you are always going to come out. You're not going to be stuck here. There was a time a couple years ago I thought I was going to be stuck there for a long time in my mind. But you're going to come out. God's going to bring you out, and you are appointed to come out. Matter of fact, it's scheduled. There's a scheduled time. Number two, your struggle has an appointed purpose. My papa teaching me how to work for $907 for months had a purpose, and I see it now. I didn't see it then. And when you're in the middle of your struggle, you can't see it. Remember last week we talked about desperation being a poor counselor? When you get desperate, be careful. Go to God and go to his people. Don't run to idols. He's going to bring you out too. Your struggle has an appointed purpose. And here's a couple things I think are part of that purpose. One is to teach you how to fight. And I believe you fight on your knees. And when you're on your knees, you get instruction. It might not come to you while you're on your knees, but eventually when you get up and you start walking, he's going to show you where to go. Secondly, it's to show you your weakness. Because in all these struggles we deal with, we cannot overcome it ourselves. That's, that's why there's so much stuff out there that lie to people that tells them this will help the pain. And I'm not just talking about drugs. I'm talking about all kinds of stuff. The only true relief of pain is to realize, and when I'm talking about emotional pain, that you are weak, and in your weakness, he, made, he is made strong. And then thirdly, I think this is important. Sometimes we struggle because God wants you to experience victory. Let me ask all you athletes this. Is there a win without a game? Is there a victory without a struggle? No, there's not. You have to play the game. And it's only in playing the game and struggling with your opponent and, and coming victorious that you understand the value of the struggle. There's no winner or loser without a game. And God wants to show us his power. And then thirdly, coming out is not complete until you go in. I want to finish with this. It's a, it's a decree to the children of God who are about to go in. Deuteronomy chapter 8, and then I'm finished. I said I'm finished. Deuteronomy 8 and then Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 11. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 1 through 5. Make sure you catch this because this is important. Every commandment which I command you today, you must be careful to observe that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land of which the Lord swore to your fathers. And you shall remember that the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you. And test you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. And so he humbled you, allowed you to hunger. You ever been hungry in your spirit? He allowed you to hunger, and he allowed you to be fed with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know. And he might make you know that man shall not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. Your garments did not wear out on you. Nor did your foot swell these 40 years. You should know in your heart that as a man chastens his son, so the Lord God chastens you. This is a decree to the children of God who are about to go in. And then lastly, in Deuteronomy 11, he gives a warning. And I believe we, could, we can apply this to our lives as well. 
Matter of fact, I know we can. The warning says in verses 16 and 17, Take heed to yourselves, lest your heart be deceived. What does the Bible say about your heart? To guard it. Why? Because all matters of life flow from the heart. So guard your heart. Take heed to yourselves, lest your heart be deceived. And you turn aside and serve other gods and worship them. Lest the Lord's anger be aroused against you. And he shut up the heavens so that there be no rain. And the land yield no produce. And you perish quickly from the good land which the Lord is giving you. I believe that when we walk on our own outside of the will of God, that it will not prosper. Now, your questions may go to a crazy place where why do so many simple people seem to be prospering? Don't buy into that lie and don't be deceived. They're really not. You don't know what they go to bed with in their mind. You know what I'm saying? You don't know the torment they live with. You don't want that. God is faithful. He gives us a warning. And let us not, not choose today to have idols, but let us choose to honor God in all that we think, say, and do. If you would, bow your head with me. Now, I know from the looks on faces today that... Uh, Many of you are dealing with struggles. Matter of fact, personally, I know some of you and I know your struggle. It's not important that I know. It's important that you know and that God knows and that you go to him. And so in this time of response, I'm not asking you to get up or, or do any of that. I'm just giving you a few minutes here while Dave plays just to place that thing, whatever it is for you. Maybe it's depression. You know, maybe it's just a mindset. But I, I just give you these next few minutes to place it in front of him and say, God, begin to show me how to overcome and conquer this thing. And that's between you and God. But he sent me here today to tell you, his children, that you're coming out. And so I declare that over you today, and I just pray, God, in the, in the name of Jesus, Father, I pray that you would help each person here today lay this thing down at your feet, and Lord, I pray you'd give them X's and O's, A's, B's, and C's, one, twos, and threes, steps that they can take to overcome this thing that's got them bound. And so you deal with your people, Lord, and Lord, deal with me, and thank you for this word. And Father, there could be somebody here that don't know you. And if that's the case, God, I pray you draw their heart, pull them to you, Lord. And I just pray that in the name of Jesus, you'd save them today. If they believe in their heart and confess their mouth that Jesus is Lord, they shall be saved. And So God, I just pray you'd do that. In any other need, God, that, that we may have in this church and in our families, those who are here today, God, I pray that you would meet that need. Lord, I want to personally thank you for the wilderness you put me in a couple years ago. I, I thank you for what you have allowed to grow from that. And I, I just thank you also, God, that in those moments when I felt defeated, that you came to my side. And so I pray that same thing over these people today, God. Your, your children are here and they need a touch from you. Some of them just need to know you're still there. Some need to know that you're, you're going to lead them out. And God, some of them are ready to come out now. Whatever it is they need, God, 
you meet that need. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.